Hello and welcome back to the Making Tim podcast. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any episodes every Monday morning. And like I said, the more subscribers, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast. So honestly, I appreciate all your support. And thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in last week and shared the podcast. This week, I'm joined by Lauren Bell, the founder of Cozy Care. And Lauren is just like so inspiring. And I just love how honest and open she was on the podcast as well. And how she kind of talked about her struggles with Etsma and how she like started the business as well. And now she's doing it full time. So yeah, it's incredible to kind of hear about her story and her kind of upbringing and how these personal connections led to her passion. So yeah, and here's a quick snippet of what to expect running a business is difficult having eczema is difficult running a business within eczema is even more Mm. difficult because it's like you don't have an escape from skin because it's like my work life and my personal life Mm. my brother's been struggling for 18 months with steroid withdrawal like it takes like a um a mental toll on you just before I jump in the podcast, you know, when you do your food shopping online, like a lot of the food now has that kind of may contain like labouring and it's really hard to kind of try like different cuisines. So I'm so excited that I partnered up with Good It's Gluten Free and they do free from wraps and meal kits like hoisin, um, fajitas, tandoori tikka, katsu curry, which is completely free from tree nuts, peanuts, gluten, milk, egg and sesame, which even mum said <laughs> the other night, she was like, I can't wait to try that one out. So yeah, it's great to try loads of different cuisines when you've got an allergy. And if you guys want to check out Good It's Gluten Free, it's available in Asda. I'll also leave a link in my description of the podcast as well if you want to check it out. So grab yourself a cup of tea. Let's jump into the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Make Today Podcast. So I'm joined by Lauren Bell, the founder of Coaster Care. So yeah, how are you doing, Lauren? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on this. I've been like excited to do it. I know we've been trying to arrange it for like weeks. Yeah, so, yes. no, it's excited to finally get you on. And obviously we met at the Alger Show. Was it back in 2019? 2019, which is like three years ago now, which yeah. is just mad to think. Was that your first time at the show? So yeah, at, when I did the Alger Show the first time around, when I remember you coming running up to me with like these two Tote bags, oh like, my god, hi. yeah. Oh, we got all these tote bags printed out work for free to try, <laughs> get, so people, about it, I try to get people to come to the show because I didn't think anyone's going to come. It was my first time at the show as well, so oh, it's okay. crazy to think like since 2019 we've been there every year haven't we? Yeah. yeah pretty much I've done it every year um but yeah that was basically the first time I'd shown the brand the product to anyone so it was kind of like felt very vulnerable showing putting things yourself out there, putting yeah. myself out there I was there with like my mum my dad my brother and my boyfriend and we had five prototypes that I like made myself like bit of silicon bit of metal had like this cool box to keep them cold and it was kind of just an opportunity to be like look this is who we are this is what we're doing do you like it like to test if, it on people and if any, no one's heard of like cozy care before would you like to kind of explain it to the listeners who might have not heard of it before yeah of course so cozy care was kind of born from a personal experience with eczema um and me and my brother really struggled with scratching so eczema as if anyone suffers with it you will know it's really itchy um so i wanted to design something that would cool the skin help people relax calm itchiness and almost um act as a substitute safer substitute to scratch it and so you could get the relief but without the infections the cuts and the scarring so essentially it's kind of like a an itch relief product for instant relief um, and just helps people live with the condition a little bit more comfortably so like grown up is it something you had since a baby yourself and your brother yeah so my brother had it since he was three really quite severe um and he's been he was kind of on steroid creams most of his life i had it super mild when i was maybe like seven or eight and then i kind of like grew out of it so for me eczema wasn't a big deal in my childhood it was more kind of focused around my brother and like how he managed with it that 
was the inspiration. But I think when I went to uni, that's when I got stressed. And then that's when I had my first kind of adult like flare. Like a breakout kind of thing. Breakout, like, and it kind of literally went from there. What happens then. with on like the steroid cream? Because I don't know too much about this. Like, is yeah. it like withdrawals effect to like not using it after a while? Or? Yeah, it's kind of, it's strange because um, it's not widely recognized, I think, especially within the NHS because steroid creams are one of the only mechanisms that kind of doctors have to help people with eczema so what you find is that you start off on maybe a mild hydrocortisone you might have patches on your hands and you use it and then it might because it suppresses the immune system it kind of it can quite easily spread and then you're prescribed more and more severe creams and it can kind of quickly kind of spiral so my brother was on steroid creams for over 15 years gradually put on more and more kind of harsh steroid creams and because his immune system was so suppressed because it kind of impacted his body on such a deeper level it impacted his nervous system it impacted um how his body produced hormones like it impacted so many things internally um when he stopped well he didn't have a choice to stop actually because the steroid cream stopped working he had this massive breakout and then through the research i was doing with my brand i was like actually Reese, i think the steroid creams are causing this condition because you no longer so look it's like making someone, it it's actually making it worse, it's making it worse yeah. and it turns it into a completely different thing so he started off with having eczema on localized parts of his body but it turned into a drug withdrawal he was almost like an involuntary drug addict towards the end because what he was going through was no longer eczema it was a drug addiction and it was so why, what are them a side effects when when like, like so when when he does go off it and that withdrawals yeah. like what kind of how that like affect him is it's it? pretty crazy because it, it impacted the way his body regulated kind of temperature and the so he, he felt incredibly hot when it was freezing outside and cold when it was it was like his body couldn't regulate temperature his skin would kind of it looked like a burns victim. Like he was, his nervous system, he was bright red. So all the blood to the surface of his skin, he was crusty, oozing. It was just, it was like the symptoms that he was showing were so far removed from what eczema should look like. It was just like, it was almost like, I think for me and my family, it was like, how didn't we realize this sooner? That this is clearly was Is it within eczema. like the family? If, some, if you've got a family member which has eczema, then the most likely that the sister or the sibling might have it as well. It's definitely like a genetic condition in the sense that you know my father has eczema my grandfather has quite serious dermatitis so it is like genetically you either have you're prone to it or not but I think what happens with eczema is that your environment can trigger flares so if I was in an environment for example example where I was around pets or dust or if I ate something that my body disagreed with my symptoms would get more severe and that you know that's why I would flare so it's, it's genetic but in a sense it can be quite easily controlled with what you eat and what you do because it's to do with your environment yeah. as to how severe your symptoms are because they say it's very linked with like allergies as well if you've got eczema then really like is. yeah because I didn't yeah. realize this until like, I had so, a guest on the podcast and she was like oh yeah like it's so heavily linked so yeah. if you've got eczema you're most likely gonna have allergies which I thought was like super interesting it's really interesting because I didn't actually realize this until about maybe like four or five years ago um because I, like I said, I didn't really have a big issue with eczema throughout my childhood. It's only when I went to uni that I, my eczema got really bad. I started using steroid creams and it got progressively worse. And then quite recently, I did an allergy patch test because I found myself in A&E like three or four times with serious facial swellings. My eyelids would swell. My face would like ooze. I would get, my tongue would start to swell. Um, and I was like, this is really What strange. is happening? What, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on? And I thought it might be something that I was eating. Um, 
um, it could be something that I was being exposed to that was kind of causing it. So I ended up paying privately because it's like a two year waiting list on through the NHS. And I keep in mind, I was going through like this traumatic thing and I just wanted answers because I stopped wearing makeup. I stopped drinking. I stopped going out because I was paranoid about what was causing these flares. So I ended up thinking, right, I'm going to see a private dermatologist. I'm going to get a, a thorough patch test and figure out what's happening. And I'm glad I did that. So I literally went to um, this guy in, um, in London and he did a patch test on me and I found out that I had quite a severe allergy to nail varnish and paints. So I was like, all of a sudden it, it all fell into place because every time I would go to an event or a night out, I would get a flare up. So in my mind, I was like, it must be the alcohol. I must yeah. must be having a reaction to the alcohol yeah. or it must be something that I'm doing for a night out. Maybe it's a bit of makeup that I'm wearing that I wouldn't wear day to day or it's something that I'm doing that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And I was like, that makes so much sense because it's I paint my nails. I never yeah. paint my nails. And when I go out, I paint you my paint nails. Pa- yeah, yeah, to go out, yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. But it was like such a relief to have an answer because it was driving me crazy not knowing. So what like, happens what with nail varnish now? You just can't, you can't use it at all. I don't, yeah. I don't go, I literally, I walk past a nail salon and I get like anxiety. I'm like, I don't even want to get like a waft of air on me because I'm like scared about a flare. Because I'm, I'm actually allergic to like, um, acrylates. So it's yeah. kind of like the specific ingredient in like, um, acrylic nails yeah. and paints that cause the flare up so i'm happy like if yeah. it means i don't get a flare up i'm happy to not have pink on my nails yeah, like yeah, it, do- yeah. it doesn't matter well it's good job we're getting the paint we're getting flat painted on monday so yeah it's oh, good thank- job we're doing this before <laughs> yeah imagine if you'd walked up and you're like yeah wet paint i would have like, been like yeah, oh my like, god i can't yeah, do yeah. it yeah i'd well, to kind of learn more about yourself like growing up obviously you've got coast care now which you founded and like option i mean what was you like as a kid growing up was you always quite confident or um, What's your story? Yeah? I always, always liked drama. So I was like the little drama kid. Um, I was very, I was always described as bossy as a kid. I was always like, had an opinion, had something to say. I was academic, so I, I did okay in school, but I think I was the chatty one. Like I always had something to say. So I think for me in school, it was quite challenging because I was always just like labeled off as right, Lauren, you're asking too many questions or Lauren, right, you don't need to like ask that or you don't need to shout about this. So I always felt very kind of like shut down in school. And that's why I like drama because I could be be like express yourself yeah. and yeah get out there kind of thing and yeah. I was like I was like I was saying to my mom the other day I was like was I re- a really annoying kid she was like no I loved you you were never annoying but you were a handful <laughs> yeah. like you knew what you wanted and you, you went knew, out and got it you, kind of thing you like, just yeah. did you just did what you wanted and she told me this story about myself that just always cracks me up so when I was like three yeah. I would always like help my mum put the shopping away right so she would come in obviously mama too she just picked us up from nursery whatever she just wants to get the shopping in and she would put it away and I would be fuming I wanted to put the shopping away. So I would literally get the shopping out of the shell, put it, <laughs> I would wait, and then I would do it myself. Oh she my was like, God, that's you were just stubborn and like you you just wanted to do things yourself. Yeah. So I guess like growing up, I was probably like the bossy kid. And a Did bit you ever irritating. imagine like now, obviously you, you've got cozy care. Like, um, did you ever imagine like being your own boss when, when you were younger? Um, I don't think I really like pictured that I would be doing this. I always knew that I wanted to be kind of in a position where I could like make a difference or put my opinions across. Like I never thought I would do well, like just following orders blindly or or, like being in a role that where I couldn't like put put my stamp on something. So I always thought like I would 
be in a position where I would like be creative or kind of make a difference but I never really pictured myself being like running cozy care like I didn't probably have the tools in school to know how to do that I, th- I think it's only when I went to uni I was like oh, okay this makes sense like entrepreneurship is a thing running a business is a thing and this is what I could it's do. It's so interesting because I, I for me I had that kind of breakthrough I think it was wasn't until I got to college where yeah. I had like someone who like believed in me before that I felt like there was like oh you, you can't achieve this or you can't do that or you can get all these and like it wasn't yeah. until I got to college where someone kind of like believed in me that I got, kind of got that confidence in myself yeah. was that the same for you then at uni? Yeah I think so I think with school um it was very academic so unless you wanted to be a doctor or a maths teacher or something academic I don't feel like my school was equipped to like deal with you so it was kind of like I was very creative I love drama I love design but equally I was okay at maths and like I understood like I, I could do that Did side of Did you feel a bit lost well. then? Like where? I didn't know where to go. Where to go, yeah. It was kind of, there wasn't a clear path for me. So after school, I ended up working in a call centre for two years. It was really miserable because I was like, oh, I don't know where I fit and what I need to do. And then I did a bit of research into like product design and I, I ended up deciding, okay, but I'll just do design because I love design. I didn't feel like I... Why, I, why product design though? I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Was, it, was there a specific reason you chose product design over graphic design, for example? I, I thought... I thought about doing fashion for a while because I was like, oh, I really like, I love that life and that world. It was like really exciting. But I was like, it's very restrictive. It's kind of like, unless you want to design clothes, that's kind of what you're taught and that's what the course is. But product design, it did actually do one of my modules, graphic design. So that's what I liked about products. It was like really broad. It was like, you could design a bike or a medical device or a pair of shoes or sunglasses. Like it was so broad and you get, you basically got taught like all these different sections in design. So we did a bit on um, human factors. So designing around the human body. We did engineering. So we had maths lessons. We did workshops. I was physically in wood workshop yeah. and plastic workshop, making things with my hands. And then equally, we were doing like presentations. So that drama side yeah. was like fulfilled as well. That so kind of like, yeah, the confidence and to kind of go out and speak to people you never spoke to before to kind of exactly. definitely I imagine that helps later on when you come down to pitching yeah. the cozy care. Like. Exactly. Like it, it helped me a lot because it was like, you have to pitch your idea. You have to kind of have confidence to do that as well. Uh, so it was kind of like, I feel like with product design, I got the best of both worlds with loads of things that I wanted or that I enjoyed like I didn't have this big strategy of I'm going to do product design because it's going to get me here 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 I was just like I like design I I read up on the course and I was like oh you can do a little bit of everything how was your experience at uni did you really enjoy it I hated my first year because I can't I can't draw and it was all around first year is like the most fun year because you're like you're going out all the time I I was out all the time like that side of uni was amazing the social side and I met like friends for life like I'm still like I'm meeting Kieran who I met in uni after this podcast because like very close like so uni I met some like really good friends but like from the course side of it I got for the first time in my life I was getting D's and I was like oh my god I'm doing something so wrong. I was like, it was horrible. I felt like yeah. like a failure because I couldn't draw. So all first year um, was focused around sketching, drawing, and communicating your ideas through that. And I'm I'm not a strong drawer. So I remember ringing my mum like, oh, this isn't for me. Like, I'm going to leave. And she was like, look, stick it out for another year yeah. because the next year is when things came in, like graphic design and using your laptop right, and yeah. different ways of communicating. So when that came in, I was like, oh, I found my feet there. And I was like, I love yeah. that side of it um, as opposed to like for having to focus on like that specific skill. Side, yeah, um, yeah. And then in final year, is that where 
was it you could do like your passion projects something like you really enjoy doing exactly yeah so like f- so it was a four-year course so I did a year in industry as well so I worked for this lighting company um, a light company lighting company oh, so right. like designed like bespoke yeah. lighting was that, how was that was that a good was that, it sounds quite cool was it, it was good? fun yeah. it was fun like th- it was like in this cool little design studio yeah. in East London like working with like real serious designers like projects that are like hundreds of thousands of pounds like it was like in the deep end I was most of the time in the workshop or like not doing like not being exposed to like the bigger stuff so it wasn't like and I think that's what made me realize like oh I don't know if I want to work for a design studio like long term I just felt really restricted doing lighting and I I, it's very like niche as well like if you wanted to kind of branch out from that yeah exactly and I didn't feel and this is not like slagging off lighting designers but I was kind of like it didn't give me that passion like I was I wasn't solving this fire in your summit kind of thing exactly I wasn't solving this problem for someone like I wasn't making this obviously we were making making beautiful products that sat in like most like beautiful buildings around London and it looked beautiful but I was like oh I want to solve a problem for someone that's struggling with something and I think that's when I realized like I want to just do like either like a medical device or look at more of like the medical or kind of just support people day what, to day. What was your like, initial like train of thought during that time where because I, f- I think for me as well like making saying come from founder year degree. Oh, did show it? As well. oh yeah. I didn't know that okay cool. And like it's always interesting where I started off in packaging, yeah. I thought I wanted to like rebrand the EpiPen, oh, um, and that's cool. how it, that's how it started. Then it moved on to create a, a magazine. What was your first cool. kind of train of thought with like Cozy K or what? What was the the initial idea? So for me, it was kind of like for my for my final year major project the challenge was to solve a problem through design so that was like the basis of like what we had to do so i was like okay right um i want to try and solve a problem of girls wearing heels on a night out and doing a flat pair of heels and I was like oh that's a bit naff and then I was like right okay I want to solve you can fit your handbag yeah yeah. just and I was like oh no I I didn't give me that again that fire and then I decided to look at I was like right let's start off with my family what issues are my family having that I could solve through a product a service or something I could adapt to help them so I was and then I was oh my god it like hit me in the face I was like my brother struggles every single day with scratching like without fail 10 times a day, we say, Reese, don't scratch. Reese, Reese, come on, don't scratch and now. it's like bleeding. Is it like, it's, it's yeah, bad. it's bad. Like, yeah. It was bad. It was like physically obvious. It was impacting his life on, on an hourly basis. Like he thought about it every second. It impacted his mental health. You could tell he was like really struggling with it. And it was just always a given. It was almost like we didn't think about it anymore because that's just Reese. That's his, that's what he's, that's what he's going through. We just have to try and like support him where we can. So I was like, hang on, he scratches. What if I could design something for Reese when he was three so he could use it so he wouldn't get into that habit of scratching and it would ultimately help his condition, help his mental health, give him something that looked like a toy so it wasn't like this super stressful thing. So that's kind of where it started. So it started off as like this massive turtle covered in like metal balls. I've seen it was huge. It like, was massive. I read about yeah. it and then I actually saw a picture of it and it was like, yeah, it was like a massive toy, weren't it? Yeah. Like, with like, how many balls did it have? It? So it was like, so it was all handmade. It was like a 20 kilogram wooden shell there was 126 holes that i had to drill oh my god it's all handmade as well all handmade. well i cnc cut it which is like this big um so we put big blocks of wood in and then it cut based on the drawing that i did on cad um but it came in six parts so i then glue it together hand finish it um i did like stencils drilled all the holes put all the balls so it was like a, how long I, did it take then so it took about six weeks and i was the only one of one of maybe like 
10 people on my course doing like a physical, everything else is 3D printed. But I was like, no, I'm here once. We've got these beautiful workshops. I want to like make the most of it, learn a new skill and just try and like roll my sleeves up and make something. So that's why, that's when I made the turtle. And I thought, you know, it looks fun. It's something that a kid could have in their bedroom. And, but I think I quickly realized that it wasn't viable as a business. I couldn't make a thousand of those turtles because it probably would have cost millions. Was that until... So obviously you went to the degree show and you kind of, you show the product. Yeah. Um, Did you get quite a lot of attention then in regards to like what was the next steps then kind of making the product and then obviously going to the degree show to kind of show it off? It was weird because it was like, it got a a lot of attention because it was just massive. Like you couldn't ignore it because you walk walking me I was surprised how big it was when I saw the picture of it. I was like, oh my God, that's huge. And then like you're saying like you made it handmade. Yeah, yeah, it was it, crazy, was, it was weird because like the, so the turtle was like one product and then um, I made these like magnetic stars that were on the turtle's cheek. So the idea was that, that was one for the home and then you could take the stars off and you could take those on the go. So the stars were always there, yeah. um, but it was like when I went, so after university, I got a bit of attention at the degree show. I was approached by the Central Research Lab, which is like a hardware accelerator in London. So they take on kind of creatives and people with ideas and try and help you create a business from that idea so they took one look at that turtle and they went you can never make a business from that turtle because it's like hundreds of parts it can't be manufactured it's not realistic to make that into a business yeah. right now maybe when you're three years down the line you've got a bit of money to invest in larger products but think of something more simple more handheld and I looked at the star I was like maybe I could start off with the star yeah. um, so I took that um, project to the Central Research Lab I spent six months trying to turn that into a business I've seen the first prototype because it's different to the one that I see you selling now yeah. where it's like individual bottles yeah what was like the stage between that and then realizing did you have to simplify it even more then? It was like it was like a, a long process. So I made like 50 prototypes and like 3D printed all these versions, different materials. And originally the star had balls that rolled. Yeah. But what we found is that hygiene... So I, I kind of broke it down to three key categories. I needed it to be... Uh, offer relief I needed it to look fun but I needed it to be clean and hygienic and suit and wouldn't cause more harm so if you can imagine you've got like 20 tiny rollables someone with eczema who's shedding skin who's using moisturizer built that builds bacteria and it was just like the guys this isn't gonna work like so we actually tested the sensation versus mini rolling balls and uh, just bumps on a plate and when you combine it with a moisturizer they actually didn't feel that different so I was like oh my god okay so I don't need to have these rolling balls I can just turn this into a plate with the bumps did they get yeah. you funding then obviously you have to do all the different like prototypes to kind of find out yeah. what it is and that, I imagine that costs money did they help then in regards to like funding the, the prototype to get it get it going yeah definitely so I got my first £5,000 I felt like a millionaire I was oh like, my god, god that's I got amazing fi- I got five grand like to spend on this project like it felt yeah. amazing so that funded the initial prototype. did that go quite fast I was like, oh my God, five grand isn't actually that much when a 3D print is like 30 quid, you're doing 50 of them and then maybe you want to test some material that costs a couple of hundred quid. Plus like your commission Would you doing that all like out um, overseas as well in regards to the 3D or was that? That that, was all in-house. So the the Central Research Lab had like a workshop, 3D printers, access to like all these mentors. So it was all like very contained. Um, So that was cool because like it was, you were exposed to like all these creatives that are doing a similar thing. Um, but the money, like you said, went quite 
quite quick. Um, but that was like a stepping stone to raise further funding. So I put, was put up for like Santander awards and Mary London awards yeah. and all these different things. And quite quickly, I was getting like twenty thousand pound, twenty five thousand pound, fifty thousand. Like, and that's how I think that first five thousand pound was like the stepping stone to get in where I needed to be with the product. I think. Yeah. And I was going to say, obviously, the, the Mayor of London Award, amazing. I mean, you won that as well. Yeah, that How was, was cool. that experience? Like, did you ever imagine that you was going to end up winning? And how was it, like, pitching, like, in front of all these, like, massive judges? Like? Yeah, it was It was weird. Because I applied for the competition, and I was I'm not suitable for this. Like, I just didn't feel like the brand was ready. I didn't feel like I fit perfectly into, like, a category. And I was kind of like, I just thought, oh, I'll go for it because you know, it could be a nice experience. You pitch at City Hall, you get to meet other businesses. I turned up, there was like 300 businesses, hadn't prepared a pitch. I, I just don't think I fully comprehended what that situation would be like. So I turned up and I was like, oh, I just, I'm going to speak from the heart. Yeah. Just tell them what I'm doing. Was it like a present, like, was it like a, a slideshow or was it just like, just oh, you, you with a mic. You had just two, you with a mic. You with yeah. a mic, you had two minutes and there was like a timer. You that was it? Yeah, you were sitting in City Hall with all the other businesses watching. You had a panel of judges and my last name's Bell. So I was first, right? Because I did it alphabetically. Oh. So it's like, right, Lauren Bell calls and Causey Care. So it was like yeah. first, like no one else had an A business. So I was like first, right? So I went down and I just went for it. I just thought like, I'm only here once. Like I really want to show my, myself. It's probably quite nice and, like, in some ways going first that like- Get out of the way. Get it out of the way. Like yeah. Rather than like you hear all these other people and then you sat down yourself and then yeah. like you didn't even have the opportunity. It's like, I'm just going to go straight for yeah, it. Yeah, I just went for it. And I, I'm a waffler, yeah. right? So I like, I can talk for hours and I was just like, right, two minutes. I was like, there's a time. You got to be point. like yeah. to the point. So I told him who I was, what I was doing, what I cared about and like how I could like help people. That's basically what I focus around is the vision. And I wasn't like going into like stats and yeah. people get bored. You have to like almost just be like, look, this is this is my mission kind of thing. I imagine you brought it home. Like obviously you want to make it quite personal as well. Yeah. Like, Cause obviously yeah. it's you, your brother, that's where the whole kind of products kind of come from. Like. Exactly. It was like, you could, I think, I did well because I was talking about my brother and like why I think people care about why you're doing something, not what you're doing. You could be reinventing the wheel, but if you don't care about why you're doing it, no one cares. So it's kind of like tell people why you're doing it, explain to them like your core values, your experience. And then people are like, Oh, actually I've got a cousin with eczema. I get, I get that passion. Or I've got a mum that's lived with this her entire life. I get, I can relate to you. Have you heard of like, a book called start with why by Simon Sennett? I've heard of yeah. it. I've not read it. Yeah, I've yeah. read most of it. I've not, I think, like, I still need to like finish it off but that's like so interesting now about yeah. like if you start with why then like people believe in the mission people and empathize what you actually you. stand for like, yeah because yeah. you're, you're, you're pitching to people right so you don't want to bomb because I obviously then we had to sit there and listen to the other pitches and there were some fantastic businesses and products but they just drown you in statistics and they bore you with like and they, they don't speak in layman terms it's kind of like they've got all these technical jargon, but I'm like, language, yeah. ex like explain it like you're talking to a five-year-old, like get a five-year-old excited about your product. If they understand yeah. it, then anyone's going to, and that's not dumbing it down and, and yeah. being patronizing, but it's like, make sure people can understand you. Cause if they don't understand you, they switch off and then they're on the phone and then, you know, they don't care about who yeah. you are and what you're doing. It's probably getting the judges like first thing as well. Cause everybody's like, yeah, yeah rather than like, imagine if they've gone through like 200 people, then you're next. You're, yeah. Thing, yeah. They say, what about you gets them excited? Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I did, 
a lot of pitching workshops at the Central Research Lab and through the Maryland and I did this fantastic workshop with this guy called Mark. I can't remember his last name. But honestly, he like taught me how to pitch, right? And he was like, tell pitch like you're telling a story. Yeah. So don't start off with business plan or financial forecast you literally tell a story and you tell them about your journey and like everything else and I was like that changed my pitch completely and like that's when I started so it's to completely different then so like the, the main was, thing yeah. you learned from that was like tell it like a, a story I think it was like TED Talks I read that book that talks all about like storytelling and how to like kind of like pitching but also just like presentation and how you kind of like tell a story and if you make it personal people just engage with that was that the main kind of advice you got from was it mark you said yeah, yeah. so there was this guy mark at the maryland and that did this pitching workshop and he was like honestly so inspiring like i i can't yeah, i can't underestimate his name. I, honestly i feel like bad that i can't remember yeah. his last name it's really bad but i I'll, I'll get you the link right i'll, I'll get you linked to his like business and stuff because yeah, i think he does like um corporate like commute um corporate pitching workshop so he goes into like businesses and helps people pitch right and the way that he spoke was so engaging and he spoke about him and his journey why he cared about it I was instantly engaged it wasn't like one in five children have eczema did you know that these many people suffer with itchiness the NHS statistics some people talk like that uh, like on Instagram and I just like completely like you switch off switch off as well and I think we've now with like short form content like you've got to get like the hook within like the first like two seconds and then like tell a story but then don't give it away till the end of the video like I feel like there's so much that I've been like um there's a thing called there's a guy called Ali Ababble I think on YouTube and it's just like this he was like an NHS doctor but he's doing like YouTube on the side oh cool and it's all about like he's so inspiring like he talks about like books he's read and like the takeaways he learned from the book and he did this whole like template of like how to create a video and like how you should like pitch yourself or how you should like structure a video and I've been using that and it's been really it's been really good actually it's yeah. good it's, there's like a science to it I think yeah, and it's, 100%, it's yeah. not like it's like an emotional science I think how you get people how do you win people over how do you get people to care about what you care about and if you if you like if you show that you're passionate people like think, oh she cares I want to care like well she cares do you know what I mean yeah, like it's that kind of like you can't like when you're passionate about something as well like you can't you can't lie fake about it. it. Yeah, you can't fake yeah. it. Yeah, that's a better word. You can't like fake it. Like mm-hmm. you've you've got it in your stomach. You got that fire. And I think yeah. when 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 you speak to camera or when you speak to people, like people mm-hmm. can kind of like resonate with that. When yeah. you're like super passionate, I feel like the best piece of content I've done is when I'm <laughs> pissed off. Yeah, when I've got that yeah, fire yeah, yeah. in my stomach and I'm annoyed with something because yeah. I think people then it gets them like fired up as well. Yeah. You know, when when it is like something quite personal, which affects me and like other people yeah Yeah. and like running a business is hard and like doing what you do is difficult like being motivated to talk about allergies and raise awareness but I think like for us because we deal with it day to day I see my brother in physical pain every day I'm physically struggling with it most days it's kind of like you never lose sight of what you're trying to do because you feel it every day it's around you it's around you every day and I think a lot of people wake up and they go I want to I want to start a business okay why I don't know I just I want to make money I want to I want to have this cool podcast I want to have a cool TikTok whatever it is but ultimately when the days get tough and when you think my god 
I can't get over this hurdle. I can't get over this challenge. You just have to think, no, hang on. I've got to do it because I'm doing it for my brother. Yeah. I've got to do it because people are so in agony. It just gives you that like, fire to like go honestly, through. Like, and I think it yeah. is so important to kind of start with why. There's, yeah. there's so many times where I've had ideas to do something, but then I think about like, why do I want to do it? And mm-hmm. if money is the only reason, then it's not the right thing. Just don't do it at all then. Because yeah, like you say, yeah. like when times do get tough, you're going to be like, oh, I can't be bothered. Kind can't of thing. Be. And yeah. it's like, it's it's that resilience to like keep going because yeah. you care about the overall problem. And it's like, I day to day, what I always try and do is picture what I'm trying to achieve yeah. and like the world that we could live in if there was uh, more access. How is your day to day? Like what is your day to day life? Well, like, how, how does it look God. like running a business? Like, um, So my day to day, no day is the same. It's yeah. because um, I have to be quite reactive because we're quite a new business. You know, everything, so many th- different things change. So there's there may be an issue with manufacturing that I have to react to. There may be, you know, something that, uh, you know, a trend that I want to jump on on TikTok because it's very relevant yeah. to like our niche. And, you know, you have to be quite reactive. So no day is the same, which, which kind of keeps things interesting. But I think I always get really put off by entrepreneurs that are like, I'm up at four. I do a four hour workout. I only eat chia seeds. I do, oh, yeah, like, I do oh. work out at five in the morning in before it's like I just makes everyone this. else yeah, feel yeah. shit and it makes everyone else feel like it's unachievable it's unattainable because I'm not running a marathon before six o'clock every morning and I'm not journaling and I, I you know I, I respect people that do that because I do think it's important to have structure but equally you have days where there isn't structure and you do lay in bed because you're stressed and you do have moments of like you know, self-doubt and imposter syndrome where you're like I'm not good enough I you know I'm not you know, like it's it's true and like I think the the world of TikTok and social media, you could quite easily get sucked into, oh, because I'm not an athlete and because I'm not waking up at four, it's I'm like constantly failing. comparing yourself yeah. like, when you see pe- other people doing better than you. But then yeah. when you actually kind of look back of like what you've actually achieved, if you yeah. actually like, you're like, oh my God, I've actually achieved all this, which I never would have thought of. That you could imagine. But, but then yeah. like, it's weird. I got to a point with making time where I kind of set out a list of stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. But then... I got there and then I was a bit like not I felt a bit lost mm-hmm. yeah. like it sounds like I don't know like but I thought like one of the things like I'll explain it one of the things was like one day when I started it it's just like right at the start of making sales I was like yeah. I'd love to like talk about allergies with BBC News like yeah. honestly I was and you like did that. yeah that was like, amazing it was always on the top of my I was like yeah. oh my god like one day hopefully it will happen yeah um and it's happened twice now mm amazing and it's like well like 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 where do, like what's like and you achieve it and it's, it's such a good feeling mm-hmm. like and you're so happy but then it's like well what like where, what's next for the blog like how can you help more people how yeah. you reach more people like do you create a product or yeah. do, you, do you create a online service and it's just like like one 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 goal at the minute I think about is like do a write a book like yeah it's that ongoing like oh, thing like you reach your goal yeah. but then like it's like where do you go next so you kind of experience that a little bit as well 100 percent. and i think that's like the mindset of an entrepreneur like 100 percent. i think especially uh, like what we do we're, we're trying to do something that's very personal to us yeah. it's never going to be enough because i feel like when you achieve something it's always like oh I could do bigger, better. I want more. I want more people to be aware of this. I want more awareness around steroid creams and topical steroid withdrawal. I want to speak to more people. I want, you know, I want 
three offices. I want hundreds of employees. I want to make a difference. I want to change the landscape of how the NHS manages chronic illness. Like it's never going to be enough. And I think that's, that's across the board because if you were just sitting there and thought, okay, my goal was to present on the BBC and you've done it. Okay. What you sit back and relax? I don't care about allergies anymore. Yeah, it's just like, like, you, it's, it's, like it's, it's not gonna happen. It's is like it? oh, what it's one thousand followers, then you reach one thousand followers, and mm-hmm. you like I want to reach three thousand, and yeah. then it's like never. It's like it's you, never enough. Yeah, but it like, is a dangerous. It's place amazing to be. because like yeah. you've got to like you say revert back to that why as well. Why yeah. am I doing it? I'm doing it to raise awareness and yeah, and um, educate people and and make people feel empowered about their allergies. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when I get into that mindset, I need to take take myself out of it and be yeah. like you need to start with why you're, why doing, you're it, be, doing it rather yeah. than being like oh, yeah because that that need for more can be very dangerous because yeah. it's it just leaves you in a place of always feeling like you're underachieving or yeah. always feeling underwhelmed i was gonna ask you about yeah. like lockdown and like mental health and like how, if, if you're open to, to kind of talk yeah, about the podcast yeah, of i mean how's that been for you like with the business with lockdown or it's hard yeah yeah, has it been a struggle yeah i mean to be honest like i've got such a great like support system like my partner my family like we're all very close running a business is difficult having eczema is difficult running a business within eczema is even more difficult because it's like you don't have an escape from skin because it's like my work life and my personal life my brother's been struggling for 18 months with steroid withdrawal like it's it takes like a um a mental toll on you and you know you do have days where you think like I can't do this I really can't do this and you I think it's just about controlling the voice in your head because everyone has insecurities everyone has moments of like you know oh my god I, I can't do this. Like, this is massive what I'm trying to do. And these goals, like I write out, you know, I have meetings with my business partner and we list out like where we want to be in three years. And sometimes I think like, God, I sound like an idiot because like, I can't do that. And then you have to like shake yourself a little bit and be like, but why can't I? If, if all these other people can sit on TikTok and achieve these things and, and sit on social media and shout about all these amazing things that they, they're going to do or they want to do, then why not me? And you just have to like shut down that, that that voice that in your inner head. voice sometimes yeah. which just like questions it's you intense. like yeah it I get intense. it yeah I get it like even with like the podcast like 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 some guests mm-hmm. uh, I don't know like not sometimes but you just like you question yourself like oh like, yeah. am I good enough to be answering these questions which is yeah. ridiculous you know what I mean like yeah. why why shouldn't you be everyone's like, yeah. everyone's you know on a level everyone can achieve whatever they want to achieve it's just about like how you approach it and and your confidence and what you think about yourself and like I I see so so much of like um like manifestation and that's like hot topic at the minute like it's like you have to believe it you have to speak it you have to think it and it's true like one of my closest friends is a neuroscientist right and when I was going through one of because I went through a really challenging year when I was having my facial flare-ups you know I was having issues with my contact allergy to nail varnishes and I hit a point where I I wouldn't wear short sleeves I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't want to leave the house caked in makeup or, you know, with sunglasses on because I was like really conscious of like how I was looking. And I had a I had a drink with um this friend of mine and, and she was like, Look, no one is looking at you. That is that is your perception of yourself because you've been through this trauma of having eczema and having these outward physical symptoms that, you know, that is visible. How old was you when it's when you felt like it started affecting your like confidence? Only in the last like year or so. Like it's weird. It's like only Oh, so like recent recently. Recently, yeah. like as a kid, didn't yeah. bother me. In uni, could deal with it. Um 
it's only in the last few years when I was having those facial flare-ups that it completely knocked my confidence. Like I was honestly, I would I would hide in my bedroom for months because I was like, I don't want people to see me like this. I feel weak. I feel unattractive. I, I hate this about myself. Like it was really like, it took a massive toll. And the only person that probably saw me like that was my partner. So he was also dealing with me in this like state of like, oh, I'm, I'm ugly. I don't want people to see me. I canceled social events. I did, I wasn't outgoing as like, I'm naturally like, I like people, like I like yeah, chatting to people. Yeah, yeah. Like, getting I, out there, I, yeah. I, yeah, but I just wasn't like that. So I went for, for a drink with my friend and I, I, it was the first time that I told a friend, not my partner, how I was feeling. And she was like, that is in your head. No one is looking at these tiny parts of red skin on you or, you know, no one's yeah. judging you. You need to shake that insecurity because no one is judging you for that. You're still outgoing. You're still you. It doesn't matter that you, you know, you have bits of eczema. Yeah. It doesn't impact you. And she explained something to me that I th thought really interesting. And she was like, that thought pattern that you keep thinking every day that my skin means I'm not good enough, means I'm unattractive, means I can't go out the house. You're exercising that thought pattern like a muscle. So if you go to the gym and you do arms every day, yeah. those muscles are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So if you keep exercising that pathway in your brain, yeah. that thought process get, yeah. is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it will seep into other elements of your life. So if you think, oh, you know, with, your, with the business, for example, yeah. it would go to, oh, but I'm not good enough because of my skin, because I'm weak. Yeah. You know, that thought, that pathway in your brain is Game like a muscle. It goes into like different parts of areas it's, of your life. And so it's, yeah, it's so, so is interesting. It just kind of st stopping that, um, stopping that like kind of chain of thought. It's, then it's about break. Yeah. Like, be it. I think the first step is acknowledging that your brain is just a muscle, yeah. and it's got all the. I, I mean, I'm not a um, yeah. <laughs> neuroscientist here. Yeah. My friend is, but like, she said something to me, and I was like, "My God, that yeah. makes so much sense." Get her on the podcast. I know. Like, yeah. Honestly, you need, honestly, like she yeah. is amazing. She's so amazing. The way she explained it, I was like, I in love such, that. Yeah, in such she a like breaks it down way, in such a simple way. Yeah, such a simple scientific way. It's like it's not you. It's not your personality. Yeah. You're just exercising a pathway um, that's damaging your mental health. So break out of it. So every time. I felt, because I recognized that it was a, a pattern that I was getting into, recognizing it is a big thing and saying that you want to break out of it is another big step. So I was like, right, I'm not going to think this anymore. Every time I looked in the mirror and I saw my skin and I would go into that, oh, I really don't like how it looks. I might not wear this top because it shows it off. I was like, no, I look great. I'm beautiful. Yeah. Everyone has an insecurity. It's not going to stop me. It's not going to ruin my day. And I would, I would do something that I like. So I would eat something that I enjoy, or I would go for a run, or I would go for a nice meal with my partner, or I would speak to a friend. Like, and I think doing something that fulfills you or makes you feel good in those moments when you want to get through that, or Head you want to go yeah. through your your usual pattern of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do it. I don't deserve it. Just do it. And I think within like a few weeks. I felt such a shift. It was, it was honestly so weird. So mad, weird. It? And yeah. it was like, it was just a thought. Yeah. My own thought process was damaging my life. And I was just like, I'm not going to think like that because no one else thinks like that about me. No one yeah. thinks I'm worthless because I've got a rash. No one thinks I'm, you know, I'm not successful within my business because I've, I'm having a flare up like that specific thing that I'm so insecure about the world doesn't see so I shouldn't let it kind of stop me and that sounds a bit cheesy but like that that um a bit of advice it's amazing changed how, like, things yeah like me. one conversation with a friend and yeah. like I'm glad that you actually like because some people just like keep it to themselves and like yeah. not tell anyone so it's amazing that obviously you kind of spoke to your friend about it and that well, like yeah. completely like changed it yeah I mean I I remember when I was away like, I, got, I got like really anxious one day and like mm. I listened to I think it was like calm or like headspace oh right yeah and that, that was really good like how like when you feel like like anxiousness or anxiety just mm. like 
acknowledge it like don't try and like pretend it's Suppress not there it yeah, or, yeah, yeah yeah and acknowledge it and then just like obviously do the breathing exercises which mm-hmm. really help as well so yeah no it's amazing to acknowledge that so we've like cozy care so what's the plan for the next couple of years and do you have like a kind of set goal which you want to achieve like? yeah definitely like there's there's big changes happening in the business at the minute a few of things that I can't talk about I really want to but I feel like over the next month like I can definitely shout about it but essentially I'm working on two new products um which is like super exciting so I'm hoping to launch a few new products add to the range Amazing. um really looking to work with the NHS like I think I think it's really important that I work with the NHS on trying to overcome education around steroid creams, trying to adapt the way. I was going to say with steroid creams then, because it's quite interesting. I got one uh, the other day just for the holiday. Oh, okay. So I um, was suffering with, um, oh God, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Was it like heat stroke like or like psoriasis? So it's not psoriasis, but it's like um, bad, like, Ixthiosis. Um, what was it when you get flakes in your hair? Like um, dandruff. Dandruff. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I'm god! Really oh, so bad. I was, like, I was no, going it. through like all the meds. Yeah, 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 like, no, 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 <laughs> so like, I was like using all these like anti-dandruff like shampoos and mm-hmm. stuff. So I went to the doctors and he was like, "Oh, you don't have psoriasis." He's like, "Your scalp seems fine. Yeah. Like maybe it's linked to your allergies." So he just gave me like a shampoo, but then he did give me a steroid one. Right. But then my girlfriend was like, "Don't use it," and I was like. And it was quite bad. It gets like quite red sometimes. Yeah. It's fine now. Yeah. But like, so I used it once. Yeah. Um, but now I'm a bit like, should I just avoid? Yeah. But yeah. D- d- the thing is, right, people, I think when people explain they use, they want to use steroid creams or they've used steroid creams, there's a bit of shame attached to that. And I, I don't think anyone should feel embarrassed or shameful about what they choose but to do with their I, health. I feel like after speaking with yourself, like should, should, is it best if, if, if you don't have to use it? I don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. The guy said just use it if, if it gets really bad but he said he's like don't use it often yeah he's like only if it gets like really bad Mm. use it a little bit yeah i think for me the important thing with steroids is that everyone is educated around the potential risks so if you are aware of the potential risk of steroid cream and you make an informed decision about your health like look i want to use it because it makes me uncomfortable absolutely fine i think what's missing is People are given steroid creams, but they're not given the bigger picture. They're not yeah, offered. Yeah, tell me anything. Or, though, no, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not offered the risks. And, they, and, you know, okay, you could argue, yeah, but the risks are listed on this tiny little piece of paper that we give you with the steroids. That's not good enough. Yeah. You need to you need to explain to people what steroids it will do to your body and alternatives. Because I could, I, I work with a natural doctor now. So I don't, I very rarely go to my GP. I work with a naturopath because for every steroid cream that they prescribe, there's probably a hundred different options that you could be using, natural options that would help it just the same. And it doesn't come with this like long list of risks. Now, has that so, yeah. massively helped you now? Like, obviously, like, yeah. hundred percent. Honestly, I, so the two things that, so when I was going through the worst of my skin, I was having those flare-ups. I was like, saw my eczema really deteriorate. The two things that I did is I got a patch test and I figured out what I, what my body was allergic to. I think that was really important. Second thing I did is I saw a naturopath. So with a naturopath, they look at you as it's almost like a bespoke service. So they look at your body, you know, what, what's going on in your body? Have you got mold issues? Have you got, um, any issues with your gut? Have you got issues with something that you're, you're using in your home? Cause I've got asthma. So, you know, was I spraying something in my home that was, was impacting it? You know, all these different things. 
things and you know I work with herbs I work with monitoring my diet and living a healthy lifestyle exercise like never undervalue like living a healthy lifestyle and like all these things um I've learned about in the last few years because it's like you know I don't want to run to my doctor and get a steroid cream because I understand the risks now and I think like equally to like I'm just not, like speaking with uh, you now yeah. I feel like so much more like, educated about it because I yeah. remember at the time he's like oh like you don't have like psoriasis on your head so you don't have that layer on top of your mm-hmm. scalp so it's just like oh like yeah try and use it if you really need to but mm-hmm. like don't use it like but, every day but it could, your dandruff could be caused by a hair product yeah. it could be your, even caused by something that you're eating it could be something in the home like I, I think sometimes steroid cream for me in my in my view is like a last resort yeah. if you if you have all the education around steroid creams and the risks if you've tried all the natural options if you've understood what your body could be potentially be reacting to and you're still not comfortable and you're still not getting the answers yeah. then explore steroid creams I'm not saying that you know oh my god I'm going to shame people for choosing steroid creams like how dare you how stupid are you like I would never do that because having eczema so it's like giving them like the tools like make the giving them the option and it's all around education it's about educating people around what could potentially happen and and I think that leads quite nicely onto like kind of like TikTok so I've seen a few (laughs) of you like TikToks now talking about like eczema and like some videos have gone like got millions of views like would you like surprise like you, yeah. you just put a piece of content out there then like millions of people like I, comment and like and yeah view it. it's very unnatural for me to put to be vulnerable on social media i think it's very it's a done thing right so people like you know are naked or they're you know they're showing their insecurities which is brilliant and i think it's like very um freeing to do that i think i my biggest insecurity is my hands like all my life I've had, you know, being called grandma hands or, you know, people are, even at work when I'm like 24, 25, being, oh my God, why are your hands like that? Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's none of your fucking business. Yeah. Like, why are you, why are you, why are you asking? I was yeah. like, why are you asking? I would never, ever comment on, yeah. on how someone looks. Someone's but, you know, appearance. Yeah, yeah, someone's appearance. So I did get that a lot. And it was my biggest, even shaking someone's hand, I would like get so nervous. And when I first met my partner, like going on dates and things like that, I'd be like, oh, just let you know, like if you want to like touch my hands, like I have got eczema, like it's something that I'm so insecure about. And I thought, you know, TikTok felt like an environment where it was so open, like everyone's speaking about their insecurities. And I had that video saved in my drafts for like a month I was like oh I can't put that out there the way my hands look I was like it's so I felt like oh I can't it's, people are gonna make fun of me and like it's just not very nice um but I was like do you know what one day I literally just didn't even think about it just recorded it put it up there I went to bed I woke up and I had like I had like 300,000 views and I was like I rang my mum I was like mum I've had like all these views and all these comments and then all these comments started coming in like, oh my God, my hands are like that. Oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then it got grew and grew and grew and grew. And then the other comments started coming in. That's not your hand. That's your nan's hand. That's your nan in the background. And I was like, oh <laughs> my God, I'm crazy. <laughs> you always get one person I, like, oh, I would say oh, so, yeah. And it was like, and then, so it hit like 9.2 like million views. That's what it's, it's currently got nine million views, It's though. got 9 million views, right? What? Plus. Well, that's my story. I think you had like three or something. Yeah, four, maybe. It's like, it's, it went a bit mad. And I was just like, this is mental. Like I'm going to be known as the woman with granny hands. No. So I like, I was like, right. I put out on TikTok. I was like, everyone posts your granny hands. Show me your hands. Like I want to see your hands. So it started off a trend. Like all these young women and oh, men were like that. showing their hands. And I was like, oh my God, so many people have this. I'm walking around hiding my hands and hundreds of thousands of people are doing it as well. So it was nice. It was like the first bit, of, the first time I was vulnerable, like really vulnerable yeah. on social. And I was like, I loved it. Yeah. I loved, obviously you get 
the dark side that's like taking the piss yeah. and like calling you that's a grandmother. amazing though isn't it like just to find other people like yourself and like to know that you're yeah. not the only one like so yeah that's incredible and like. it's like i'm not as like insecure and that like i'll yeah. talk i'll talk about my hand it's quite freeing because it's almost like saying it before they can say it. it's like yeah, yeah. I, I, my hands have aged because i i use steroids and impacted you know within my skin it impacted how i reacted to yeah. the sun and all the rest of it um and like cause like premature aging and scars and things like that but i'm just like it's fine like it yeah, doesn't right. matter no one's looking at your hands my partner always says to me lot no one's looking at your hands no one's gonna like the first no thing to me, you, like, look at someone's hands like, like, and yeah. plus for, for for every person walking around you know for me walking around insecure in my hands is someone walking around insecure about the hair or the hairline yeah. or their you know their height or you know all the time all like, the yeah. time yeah everyone I has about my hairline i feel like it's going further back like, Honestly, as i get older yeah, yeah, but, like, but no one would know yeah. my girlfriend's like just stop being stupid about it yeah. like no one ever no one knows like, yeah. yeah no no everyone is so concerned about themselves yeah. no one is judging it's you. like in the gym as well when you walk into the gym you think everybody's, everybody's watching, watching but every, everyone's bothered about like what they look like it's like a main character complex you yeah. think like you walk in and it's like oh my god everyone's staring at me but it's like no everyone's worried about themselves everyone's got their own anxiety and own insecurity like no one cares so it just it doesn't matter like and it's it's reassuring to know like everyone there's there's so many people with like issues with their skin because it makes me feel less of a like a a strange I was gonna say like with I was gonna say with your brother as well as it brought you closer together in some ways with obviously both struggling with it and obviously now launching kind of like cozy care. Like. Oh yeah, definitely. Like in the early days, he was like my guinea pig with products. Yeah. Like he would try them out and stuff, but it's definitely brought us closer. Like he can be like very vulnerable with me and my parents and like he cries a lot and gets really upset. And like we've been through, we've been through it with him. Are you quite a close-knit family then? Like yeah. you're really close, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's, there, there are times where it's really hard and we argue and we scream and shout because he's going through a very physically demanding condition like his skin's falling off he's burning he's bleeding he can't shower he can't change his bed sheets like it's hard so there are times where it's like oh my god i want to kill him because he's like you know it Im impacts his mood his anger but you know we are so close like it's we we share so much information and support because i'm researching it every day he's doing yeah. the same so it's like we're on the same wavelength and you know i facetime every day like we are really close um and it's definitely brought us closer yeah. to get closer together you know and he's, he's a bit younger you yeah. So he's 24. Yeah. Um, he's been going through topical steroid withdrawal for a year and a half now. Um, and it's been rough. Like, it's been really hard. Would, would he just need to ride it out then? What, what? A lot of it is to do with time. Like, I, this, interestingly, me and my brother are, are on a, diff, a, a bit of a different page with uh, topical steroid withdrawal. When I was, because I went through um, minor withdrawals when I stopped steroid creams, um, at which I think contributed to my reactivity to things as well. Um, and I completely, I went to a naturopath and transformed my diet and my routine. My brother, on the other hand, was a bit more reluctant to do that because he really believes that it's a lot to do with time. Because it's a drug withdrawal, it just needs to burn out of your body and you need to give your body a chance to rebalance. And Do you reckon he'll do the same thing what you did? Then, he's, I'm like point? chipping away at yeah, him. I'm yeah, like, yeah. come on, like cut out dairy and gluten. Maybe that will, you know, Im yeah. like help give your body a bit of a break. Maybe because I'm, I'm a big believer in balance. And I think that, you know, if you eat a really well-balanced diet, if you eat the rainbow, so eat, I try and eat 13 different color a fruit and veg a day because it helps with your gut health and everything else and i'm trying to get him on board but he's a 24 year old bloke like he wants yeah. to go out drinking he wants to like do you know what i mean he, does, I he doesn't want to think I, it's about funny, that as i got older I, i've had to cut out like milk so i get oat milk now and yeah. like so 
like vegan butter and like yeah yeah it's just crazy uh, as you get older like your body like changes it is weird and I think like if I was if 29 year old me was talking to 21 year old me she'd be like what are you doing like why are you not eating this this and this like it's I've just you you grow a lot when you go through an allergy or an intolerance or something that impacts your 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 health you have to you're forced to adapt and I think that's what I went through and I think gradually my brother's kind of coming around to the idea I was going to ask like what advice would you give to like someone else out there looking at potentially starting a business okay Um, I think just do something that you care about recognize that it's going to be difficult and you need to make sure that you you're passionate about it and also don't have this perfect picture of when to start because I have a few friends like I want to start a business but it'll be when you know I get the house that I want and I'm settled it'll be when I'm at this point in my career and I can afford to leave my job there's never a good time to do it you have to just start and like it's not going to be perfect it's going to be messy you're going to have to make mistakes you're going to have to like just go for it and it's not going to be this perfect structure of an entrepreneur yeah, like yeah it's you just could do not, like the best like business plan but then it's matter. just like it doesn't yeah. really matter it's just taking that, you have to first, act on that, it. that first leap yeah. Kind of thing. Like, yeah a business plan is only worth the, the paper that it's written on you can have a plan obviously that's so important you have to forecast you have to have that picture of how you get you know where you want to be but don't you have to act on it if you're not physically out there speaking to people acting on what you want to achieve you know making the plunge then your business plan is just going to be that it's just going to be a business plan it's not going to actually like come to life I guess so just just go for it I know it's a bit generic but I think yeah just like, acting on what you want to do is like so important yeah. it's so easy to just taking like, plan, like and talk years. about it rather than actually like yeah like you said taking the action and taking that kind of like first step Definitely. Like, yeah. yeah I was gonna say thank you so much for kind of coming on the podcast today it's been great obviously we've been talking about this for a while now to yeah. kind of finally get you on I was gonna say in regards to kind of like the community we kind of spoke about earlier in regards to kind of cozy care. Yeah. Would you like to discuss that a bit more? Yeah, of course. So we're a really small team. It's literally just me on the Instagram. So if you want to join the community, reach out, vent anything you if you want to ask any questions like p- please feel free to like follow us get in touch join the conversation and drop me a message um i'm trying to build like our tiktok as well raising awareness around steroid creams um we've got a trend going at the minute i don't know if it's ended now i'm like an old What's woman hashtag so, for that? so uh, no it's not a hashtag it's like you have to show your hand so if yeah. you have eczema on your hands and you felt that insecurity like jump on that trend show it off because there's so many people doing it now which is amazing um and yeah just kind kind of like give us a follow really and like yeah because we're always inventing new products and like trying to help people live and with your website is it cozycare.com so it's cozy-care.com okay and then instagram is at cozy underscore care and then it's the same for tiktok as well so we're trying to build our tiktok so cozy underscore care is yeah. the one to follow TikTok's on there as well now, isn't it? Loving like, TikTok, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast today honestly it's been so interesting to learn about steroid cream like Etsma, Cozy Care, and like you kind of the whole story behind like Cozy Care. So, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs)